Thank you, Pastor JB, for those very kind words of introduction. And thanks again for the invitation to come and speak uh, with the amazing Thrive Church this morning, especially on this topic, the, the art of healthy relating. And uh, today, I would love to talk about the importance of hospitality and having an attitude of hospitality when it comes to the art of healthy relating. So let me start with a question. What comes to mind when you hear the word hospitality or you think of a hospitable person? Perhaps you picture in your mind someone who's very friendly or, or someone who, who puts a, a huge meal out for guests in their home. I mean, these are very common pictures, maybe even common stereotypes of a hospitable person. But did you know they're actually not a, a fully accurate picture of biblical hospitality? So today, I want to talk about that, the importance of hospitality when it comes to the art of healthy relating. But I want to clear up something right away from the very beginning. Romans chapter 12, it lists hospitality as a spiritual gift. And I have heard it said by people, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality. And they use it as an excuse to, to not embrace this generous and welcoming spirit to all humankind. But in the same way that every follower of Jesus is called to be a witness, regardless of the fact that some have the spiritual gift or the spiritual office of evangelism or the office of evangelists, and some do not, or even in the same way that, that every follower of Jesus, we are called to encourage one another, even though some have a spiritual gift of encouragement, in the same way, Every follower of Jesus is called to have a hospitable spirit or an attitude of hospitality to one another, regardless of whether we have that spiritual gift or not. Because having the right attitude toward our community and toward humankind in general helps ensure healthy relationships. So what do I mean about the attitude of hospitality? How does it relate to the art of healthy uh, relating? We'll start with, um, with some attitude shifts that we, we may need to better embrace uh, so that we can exhibit this biblical hospitality. And then we'll end with a more accurate definition of what it means to be a hospitable person. There's a, one word that I recently learned is it's, it's an African word. African culture has this wonderful word to describe what I'm talking about. And the word is Ubuntu. And Ubuntu means I am because we are. And so one author puts it this way. She says, Ubuntu embraces the idea that, that human beings, we cannot exist in isolation. We depend on connection. We depend on community. We depend on, on caring. And, and we just cannot be without each other. We need each other. So, so Ubuntu says, I don't use my gifts or my talents or my skills simply to serve me or for my own self-progression, or for my own success. I use them to serve 
and better my community. Because if I do that, then we reap both personal benefits, but also societal benefits. And this is very true from a biblical perspective as well. Lone Ranger Christians, and by that I mean uh, followers of Jesus who say, I don't need the church, I don't need community, I don't need to welcome others into my life, I'm fine on my own. That is a Lone Ranger Christian, and, and Lone Rangers in the Christian faith, well, they don't grow, and they don't thrive. We cannot be fully alive if we are continually isolated from one another. That's one of the reasons why this pandemic has been so difficult for people, because we live in much more isolation, and we find that it actually affects our mental well-being when we remain isolated from each other. And the way we, we thrive as a community, especially as a church community, is through serving one another caring for one another, welcoming one another, encouraging one another. Because when I do that, it betters me, but it also betters my community. And that attitude that helps us to thrive together is hospitality. If we want our community to succeed, whether that would be our church community or our work community or our school community or our societal community, we need healthy relationships. And for healthy relationships to happen best, we need to embrace this idea of biblical hospitality. And for biblical hospitality to happen, we need this conscious shift in how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at a story from the Gospels to better understand the right attitude for healthy community relationships. So this story comes from Mark chapter 2. Verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So like I mentioned, this story comes from Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 is a pretty 
interesting chapter in the Gospel of Mark. Four times, there's four stories in this chapter, and in each story, Jesus faces some kind of harsh criticism for his actions. And this criticism always comes in the form of a question. So for example, in the first story in chapter two, verse seven, this is the story of the healing of the paralytic man. Um, the, the teachers of the law say, why is he speaking like that? Only God can forgive sinners because Jesus had said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, a little later on, the question is, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples or the Pharisees' disciples? And then another question later on, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And here, chapter 2, verse 16, the critical question, criticizing question is, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? Now, just a quick word on that term sinner, because it's kind of thrown about. Um, we've heard it before. But in Jewish culture, sinner was, was basically a collective term for anyone that they thought was far from God. So when they say, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? They're saying, why is he eating with tax collectors and people far from God? Jesus had this interesting reputation as you read through the Gospels. He actually had a reputation of, of being greedy. Uh, he was criticized for being greedy, hard drinking, a friend of people who the religious culture thought were far from God. Now, many times, or I should say many, many Jewish people in New Testament times believed not only in something called moral or spiritual sin. So that would be, for example, the, the Ten Commandments, right? Um, do not murder. Do not worship a, a different God. Idolatry. But they also had this thing called vocational sin. And vocational sin was basically if you worked a certain vocation, you were automatically considered far from God. You were automatically considered to be a sinner. So, for example, um, if you were a dice, they called it a dice player, which is a gambler. If you were a user, which is a loan shark. If you were a prostitute, if you were a tax collector, if you followed any of these professions or trades, you were hated, <laughs> you were ostracized, and you were considered far from God. Now think about that for a moment, because this is a story about Levi, who we also know as Matthew, the author of the first gospel. And Levi, or Matthew, was a tax collector. So in Jewish eyes, Matthew was as much of an outcast in Jewish society as a leper would have been. He was ostracized. He was hated. He was considered far from God because, and only because, of his vocation, because he was a tax collector. And so the teachers of the law see Jesus interacting and being at the table with Matthew, and they say, why is Jesus with these people? Why did Jesus invite one of them to be his disciple? And so this leads us to the first attitude shift that we need to have to embrace biblical hospitality, which is no matter our background, 
We are all invited to the table with Jesus, and it's a come-as-you-are invitation. No matter our background, we are all invited to the table with Jesus, and it is a come-as-you-are invitation. This is the first attitude shift that we need to embrace uh, to have this attitude of hospitality leading to healthy relating with one another. Everyone is invited to the table with Jesus, just as they are right now. No one is unworthy to be at the table with Jesus. You're not. I'm not. Neither is the tax collector or the religious person or the immoral person, or the person who voted conservative or NDP, or the person who is vaccinated or not vaccinated, no matter the background, everyone is invited to the table with Jesus, and it is a come-as-you-are invitation. No one is unworthy of being fully alive. No one is unworthy to be at that table. We need to look at the people around us, The people we like, the people we dislike, the people we agree with, the people we disagree with, and at least think to ourselves, they are also invited to the table with Jesus just as they are. And then we need to shift from they thinking to we thinking, because we are all around the table with Jesus. We are all invited to that table with Jesus. I have no more right or no less right than anyone else around that table to be there with Jesus. Now, teachers of the law, they prided themselves because of their righteousness. But in Jesus's eyes, they were not righteous. They were self-righteous. And this is a great question, even just to consider in in your small groups, is what is the difference between being righteous and being self-righteous? Well, if we're trying to stand before God or stand before others to show our best stuff, to show how worthy we are to be there at the table, we're being self-righteous. The only people who are righteous in the eyes of God are those who have given up trying to be righteous. I'll say that again, and then I'll explain it. The only people who are righteous are those who have given up trying to be righteous, meaning they've given up trying to stand before God based on their own strengths or skills or morality or merit, and instead they fully depend on Jesus. They know they are spiritually bankrupt in and of themselves and can only trust Jesus for a right relationship with God. The only people who are truly righteous are those who have given up trying to be righteous. So the teachers of the law, they viewed others with contempt But Jesus treated these despised people with grace and with mercy. And so the teachers of the law, they criticized Jesus, not just for hanging around with these people, but actually for enjoying their company, for 
eating with them, for showing them love and acceptance, for including them at his table. Attitude shift number one, no matter our background, we are all invited to the table with Jesus, and it is a come-as-you-are invitation. Right now, just as you are, without having to change anything, you are invited to the table with Jesus. He says, come, eat with me. Come, have relationship with me. Come, you can be here. It's a come-as-you-are invitation. You don't need to clean up your life first. You just need to say yes Yes, I want to be at that table. I want to have that, that, enjoy that acceptance that God offers me. No matter your background, you are invited to the table with Jesus, and it is a come-as-you-are invitation. So yeah, so the teachers of the law, they are viewing others and Jesus with contempt. And so Jesus responds, chapter 2, verse 17, we already read it. It says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners or or. I've come not to call people who are trying, uh, are proud of their morality, proud of who they are and standing before God based on their own merit. I have come to call those who know they are spiritually bankrupt. So let's pause here for a moment and just, just really ponder these words. I mean, these go back to what I just said about us realizing our own spiritual bankruptcy. If we think that we are righteous on our own, then the message and the gift of Jesus is pointless. So going back to the words of Jesus here, in order to fully um, enjoy, fully experience the, 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 the fullness of life that Jesus offers, we have to first realize that we need fullness of life and realize that we aren't currently experiencing fullness of life. Right? The call to be fully alive, the call to, to the invitation to the table with Jesus only works with those who know they need it, who know that they are sick or spiritually bankrupt. This is why those who did not live by the standards of the Pharisees flocked to Jesus because he welcomed them. I mean, he fully fully displays the hospitable spirit that we're talking about. So let's get back to that attitude of hospitality because we need another attitude shift, right? Jesus, Jesus sees physical sickness the same as soul sickness. Both are destructive. Both need healing. And so he offers physical, spiritual moral healing, but just as important, he also disdains self-righteous criticism. So attitude shift number one was no matter your background, you are invited to the table with Jesus and it is a come as you are invitation. Attitude shift number two is, but we have to understand 
that we are equal with everyone else around the table. We are equal with everyone else in the community. We all need healing. We all need restoration. And if we don't understand that, then there's actually no reason to come to the table. Because if we don't understand that, biblical hospitality is impossible. And so are healthy, non-judgmental relationships. If we don't see ourselves as equal with everyone else around the table, it would be impossible to have a non-judgmental relationship with the other people around the table. So hospitality says, yes, we're all invited here and we're all equal here. But there is one other reason that the, the soul sick flocked to Jesus. And that was when a person decided to follow Jesus, they stopped being identified as a sinner. They stopped being identified as far from God. They were changed. They became a new creation. When we decide, when they decided to sit at the table with Jesus and to follow Jesus, he made them a new creation. And so Matthew was no longer despised tax collector. No, Matthew was at the table with Jesus. He was now a follower of Jesus and he became a gospel author. He became an evangelist and eventually he became a martyr. That is a huge change. So our first attitude shift is no matter your background, you are invited to the table with Jesus and it is a come as you are invitation. Skipping now to attitude shift number three, but it's, a, it's, it's not a stay as you are invitation. Because when we experience healing, when we experience welcome to the table, when we experience restoration, when we experience community, we also experience transformation. It changes us. We grow. We become a new creation. So let's take all these attitude shifts required for biblical hospitality and see how it applies to the art of healthy relating. So attitude shift number one, look around your community, whether it's your church community, your work community, your school community, everyone you see is invited to the table with Jesus just as they are. No one has to clean up first. No one has to change their clothes to get to the table because it is a come as you are invitation. Attitude shift number two, at the table, everyone is equal. We are all spiritually bankrupt. We are all broken in our own ways. We all need the hope and comfort of Jesus Christ. Your sin is not better than my sin or another person's sin. It all requires healing. 
And then attitude shift number three, but also at the table. <laughs> this is the beautiful thing. When we're at the table with Jesus, we don't stay the same. When we experience the welcome of Jesus and the gift of his love, when we experience the hospitable welcome of community and the gift of a community's love, we are transformed. Jesus uses your hospitality to transform other people. That is the power of hospitality, the power of having that hospitable spirit, that biblical hospitality. Jesus uses your hospitality to transform other people. We will not have healthy relationships if we see ourselves as better than others. Or if we have no compassion for people in their, in their own sin and foibles, which is where hospitality steps in. Because true biblical hospitality cannot exist at an unequal or unwelcoming table. So go, let's go back to the very beginning of this message. And let me tell you now what hospitality is not. Okay, so hospitality is not inviting a friend over and serving them a nice dinner. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do that. It's, it's an amazing thing to do that. But that's not biblical hospitality. I know we think uh, as that as being hospitality, but it's not. Biblical hospitality is making the unwelcome feel welcome. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're uh, in your workplace and you're in the break room and there's three or four of you having a conversation. And then there's that one person, maybe they're, maybe they're a bit of a loner, maybe they're new, but they're kind of over in the corner by themselves. They're, they're watching the conversation, but they're not participating in it. They're kind of on the outside. You, with biblical hospitality, will turn to that person and say, what do you think about this? You are welcoming them into the conversation. So hospitality, biblical hospitality, is what welcomes the unwelcome person, right? It's making that unwelcome person feel welcome. And it can apply to a conversation. It can apply to a friend group. It can apply to a church community. It can apply in all sorts of communities. But when we have biblical hospitality, we go out of our way to make the unwelcome feel welcome. And so now, like Jesus says in this story, right, that, that he, he brings healing and hope to the sick. So if Jesus brings healing and hope to the sick, the physically sick or the soul sick, and if we now are the body of Christ on earth then guess who brings healing and hope in Jesus' name? We, as his followers, join Jesus as doctors who make a lot of house calls. And that requires biblical hospitality. So you can even reflect right now. Who do you know who is kind of on the outskirts of community? 
Just pick any community you're part of. It could, it could be like even like a sports team, for example. Any kind of community that you're a part of. Is there a person there who's kind of on the outskirts, who's maybe a little bit unwelcomed by the other people in that community? What can you do to make that unwelcome person feel welcome? Because they are invited to the table with Jesus, just as they are. And they are equal with everyone else around that table. But once they're at that table, they're going to be transformed, just like you and I will be transformed. So maybe some questions you can ask yourself are things like, are you comfortable being at the table with people far from God? Are you comfortable being at the table with them? Are you comfortable being at the table with people who are very, very different from you? Are you even inviting them to the table? Ubuntu. I am because we are. I cannot be me without a community around me. And we cannot be a healthy community with healthy relationships unless we are practicing biblical hospitality. The art of healthy relating requires me to shift my attitude to one that's more in line with Jesus. We are all welcome. We are all equally in need of Christ. And we are all able to experience love and transformation. And with those words, I'm going to invite Pastor JB, if you will come back up and close us in prayer. Thanks for this opportunity to be with you. God bless you. Can we give Pastor Nick a big hand and thank him for the message today? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt homesick before? Maybe you moved from one country to another country, and so often all you can think about is the country you left behind, and you feel homesick, and you miss the people that you left, and you miss maybe the home that you lived in before. I felt homesick once. Uh, when my wife and I moved from Vancouver to Taiwan, it was a big adjustment for me, and I shared in different ways some of the struggles I went through. But I can remember this one moment when I was especially homesick, and I just so wanted to be back in Vancouver again. I had this friend in Taiwan, his name is Ephraim, and I'll never forget what he did for me. Is he, knowing how homesick I was, he did something for me that I did not expect uh, to help me get a sense of home. Do you know what he did? He didn't buy me a plane ticket. Um, he didn't uh, sing O Canada to me, <laughs> um, but he did something else totally unexpected. He, he, he brought me into a room because he was like the projector guy at our church and he would do all the PowerPoint stuff. And so he said, hey, look at the wall. And I said, okay, I'll look at the wall. And then he showed me, he used Google Earth and he showed me a picture of Vancouver. And then he, he was like, hey, what's your address? I was like, oh, my address is this. And he, he zoomed in on the house I used to live in. And, uh, you know, that, and, and he gave me some fried chicken. And you know, that was one of the best nights ever for me. Uh, just really touched by how my friend Ephraim did everything he could to bring me home. And uh, I'll never forget that. He's such a good friend. And, you know, why do I mention that? It's because today we're learning that biblical hospitality is about making unwelcomed people feel welcome. It's bringing a home to people who don't feel they have a home. 
And the greatest example, the greatest demonstration of hospitality you will ever find is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ on a cross. Why on a cross? It's because when we ourselves, through our sins, through the ways that we have made mistakes and messed up and done things our way, not God's way, when we had disqualified ourselves through our sins from having anything to do with heaven or eternity or God, God didn't just leave us to be that way. But because he so desperately wanted to bring us home, he did everything he could possibly do. And what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty that we were supposed to pay so that we could have a way back to God, so our sins could be forgiven. And maybe you're here and you have to be really honest with yourself when you think about heaven and God and eternity, you think, you know, I'm not worthy of those things. JB, you don't know the stuff that I've done. You don't know what I've done in my past. I'm here to let you know that the amazing news of the Bible, the amazing news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that God loves you with an unconditional love. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about our sin. You can go, God is just, he is holy, but because he's also merciful and compassionate and loving and forgiving, he sent Jesus Christ to pay for us what we couldn't pay ourselves. So we, by his kindness, could have a way to heaven, to God, to eternity again. And if you're here today and you've always felt like your sins block you from eternity and block you from heaven, then I'm here to let you know that someone came to take that block away. His name is Jesus. And if you would open up your heart to Jesus and not rely on your own self-righteousness and how good you are, but you would simply rely on what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you, then the Bible says that's where transformation begins. That's where eternal life begins. That's where forgiveness is possible. It's when we trust what Jesus Christ has done. And so if you want to do that, if you want to take that next step of asking Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, if you've never done that before, maybe you've been to church before, but you've never taken that step of opening up your heart to Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you to do that today. It's the best decision you could ever make. And it's as simple as praying a prayer. I'd love to lead you in that prayer. And, uh, you know, sometimes I find having something to read helps us. Uh, and so I encourage you, if you want to pray a prayer to receive Jesus Christ and ask for his forgiveness today, then it's as simple as, why don't you scan the QR code that's on your screen or click the link that's in your chat room. And it's going to take you to a, a page with a prayer on it, a very simple prayer that you can pray. And so that you're not praying this on your own, I'm going to pray this with you. In fact, those who prayed this prayer before, I'm going to encourage you to pray it with those who are praying for the first time today. And uh, as much as you know, we have something to read, it's really the attitude of your heart that counts. And so if this is something that you know that you need to do, which is to ask Jesus for his forgiveness, then I encourage you to do that right now. Scan that QR code, click that link. Let's pray this prayer together right now. You can just repeat this after me. You can say, Dear Jesus... Thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean that prayer? If you did, 
then the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. It's that simple. You're a child of God. It's that simple. It's not because of anything that you do. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And it's with that in mind today that, you know, if you prayed that prayer, then congratulations. We've got some special gifts to give to you. If you want to go to the bottom of that page where you prayed that prayer, we'd love to send to you some gifts to just say congratulations on asking Jesus Christ into your life. And on top of that, we encourage you to keep on coming to church. Every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family here at Thrive. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not this huge graduation thing. It's not. It's a beginning. It's you simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior, but I'm thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And because of him, I'm forgiven. If that's you and you, you have made that prayer today, then baptism is your next step. You can go to mythrive.info and press the baptism button for more information on baptism. Can we give all of our friends who prayed that prayer just now a big hand? Praise God. Welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Christine, and I hope you had a fantastic time today at Thrive Church Online. Before we end off, let's jump into some announcements and take a look at what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time joining us, we're so excited that you're here with us today. We want to show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Please connect with us by texting NEW to 604-285-5770 or by visiting MyThrive.info and click NEW to Thrive so that we can mail you a water bottle. You may have prayed the prayer earlier today to receive Jesus. Congratulations! Share your great news with us by visiting MyThrive.info and click I want to receive Jesus today or text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We want to help you build your relationship with God and so prepared a gift and great biblical content for you to enjoy while answering some of your questions about Christianity. Small groups is a place where you can get connected. I highly encourage you, if you haven't yet, to join a small group. We meet regularly on Zoom to encourage one another and to grow together. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to MyThrive.info to sign up. Last but not least, we have online prayer meetings every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. on Zoom. I highly encourage you to join us for a time of prayer, worship, and connecting with Thrivers. It's so much fun, so I even encourage you to invite your friends and family. Please go to MyThrive.info to join the Zoom prayer meeting. All right, so that concludes our announcement today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I highly encourage you to head on over to MyThrive.info and click Online Giving. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of the week. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday right here at Thrive Church Online. See you soon.